Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. notice something a little bit different while you listen to our theme music this week um gone are rob's dulcet tones talking about getting crisps at a service station on the road to somewhere metaphorically speaking i'm afraid rob can't be here today as the host so um you're stuck with me paul as your standing host um in our very own hooked on shake-up we thought there's been enough shake-ups on raw and smackdown recently why not have our own so here we are welcome everybody to the hooked on podcast our second episode after wrestlemania and we are well on the way um to putting that in our rear view mirror and looking forward to what's to come um it's been an exciting time of year with wwe lots of change um and obviously we we want to reflect that and make sure we're talking about exactly what um you guys want to hear so we don't even know what that is yet. You're gonna have to t- you're gonna have to tell us and find out. But anyway, on with the show. Um, obviously, you don't want to hear me droning on on my own for an hour, so I went out and wrapped my brains to uh, to try and find a decent guest. To be honest, most of the good ones turned me down. So I'm left with uh, a rather special guest. He's never been a guest on the Hook Tom podcast so far. Um, he's one of the best wrestling journalists um, in Plymouth. Um, and I'm proud to uh, introduce our guest for the week, Mr. Rob McNichol. Rob, how are you doing? Uh, this is bullshit, first of all. I'm not happy about this whatsoever. That's the longest intro of all time, um, and it still made me look stupid. Um, I didn't sign up to any sort of shake-up. I don't know what's happening. I seem to have lost control of my own show. Um, so, yeah, I'm having a terrible day. How are you, Paul? Well, on that but that makes me happier actually Rob to uh to hear that because that was kind of the plan I thought you know you long you know many many times what was it last 17 or 18 episodes you've been in a driving seat mm. um listening to what you've got to say in response I thought we'd change things up this week um and also not to be honest we don't know that much about you you know I'm always blaring on about what I'm doing but our, our listeners don't know that much about you do they Rob um, well, it depends how loyal they are, of course. I mean, if I have some loyal listeners from back in my days when I did I did 100 episodes of The One-Sided Ring, um, and it was so-called one-sided because it was uh, basically all about me. Um, so if they were listening back then, and uh, they know me very well, um, I've written for The Sun, for The Daily Mirror, I've appeared on The Slam on Sports Night Live, used to have regular spots on The Total Wrestling Show and Ministry of Slam. Um, I have done the Pro Wrestling Torch PW Torch Livecast. Uh, I've been on live audio wrestling uh, in Canada. Uh, I've been on the JBL and Cole show. Um, so no, they probably don't know anything about me whatsoever. Uh, is that it? Is that it? I think you missed off your Slammy Award. Uh, no, I never won one of those. Actually, uh, Owen Hart stole it from me. <laughs> well, anyway, that's as maybe. Um, what I want to do is just find out a little bit more about you today. And also, what I want to do later on is talk about... Um, what's going on in WWE I think you've been a big fan of what's been going on since Wrestlemania am I right 
Uh, yeah, that's true. Actually, I, I I watched Raw not a long time before we um, have started recording this this evening, and uh, it was one of those ones where my time was ticking away. And as you know, you can sometimes, you know, get on the fast forward button on the Sky Plus and and get through Raw a little bit quicker sometimes and skip through some things. And I was finding it really really tough because actually, as soon as I thought, oh, I can skip through this bit of our uh, truth and gold dust walking backstage, and then suddenly there's Braun Strowman attacking them. And then something else, I thought, oh, I'll fast forward this. Oh, no, I can't. And I ended up watching almost all of Raw, and just we squeezed it in just before we, we started this phone call. I had to skip some of Cesaro versus Jeff Hardy, which looked to me like it was going to be a very good match, and I'm going to have to revisit that later on, because I, I skipped through it because I didn't have the uh, the 15 minutes or so spare. So, no, I really, really enjoyed Raw this week. I thought it was um, entertaining. I thought there was some character work was really, really strong, particularly stuff like the, the Miz and Ambrose segment. No, not all-time memorable. No one's ever going to come back and say this is one of the greatest Raw moments of all time. But I just thought they just played it really well. The, the character development was good. It was setting up some matches. There was some good action. Not even like the, the Cruiserweight stuff was really good fun. The characters were defined. Yeah, I just thought it was um, a really good Raw. Haven't seen SmackDown. Um, have read the um, read some reports about it. Obviously, it's a quite an interesting uh, number one contendership uh, deal with Jinder Hall. But I will be watching that uh, tomorrow, hopefully, so I can get a, a good grip on it. But yeah, generally speaking, um, I think it's always dangerous when we get to the shake-ups, as they're calling it this time, because Vince has gone off the word draft, apparently. Um, but usually they come through with a certain few characters that they decide they're going to go with strongly. Uh, and so that is starting to shake up as we uh, as we normally see it. So I'm very excited for the uh, upcoming pay-per-views, and in particular... I am hoping that they are, are high enough on Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe at the moment to just let the pair of them go. Um, because we're in a situation where um, I don't think we're going to have Brock on that show by, by the looks of things. We're probably going to headline with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Um, but it should mean that somewhere in the middle of that show, I would think that they would give Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe a long amount of time to have a match and I am very, very excited about that. That could be something extremely special. Well, I hope you're right. It's you know, it's quite an interesting time this year because coming out of WrestleMania most years, obviously we get the you know the capitalised nowadays Raw after WrestleMania, um, which is arguably as exciting as the WrestleMania itself for most people. But then there tends to be a drop, doesn't there? And quite a significant drop as well. Um, you know, you can feel like all the creative juices have been burned out with WrestleMania. But this year just feels slightly different with the shake-up or draft or whatever you want to call it coming so close after Mania. It just feels like the shows have got a new lease of life already. A um, couple, like, you know, they've got a few new characters in the mix as well. You've got the Hardy Boys back. Finn Balor feels quite fresh. Samoa Joe still pretty fresh, actually. Nakamura... Um, it just feels different, doesn't it? It feels like they've managed to harness that energy from WrestleMania and keep it going. It does, and can I just say, I know I have, I know I've admitted to not having seen SmackDown yet, but um, just from reading some results, I read that halfway through the show, they said we're going to take a special look at Shinsuke Nakamura, and then did a music video or a video with some commentary over the top, and I just, oh man, I was so happy to hear that. I think that's such a smart thing to do. Um, when you've got someone like that, um, that you can just... I think they... I even remember reading what they said about him and they, they called him the artist known as Shinsuke Nakamura or something like that, playing up the kind of... that he's like Prince, he's like Michael Jackson, he's like um, Freddie Mercury, all the, the comparisons, the rock star comparisons. So 
I feel that the kind of back to basics approach is is going to work. You need to get some of these people into the into the right spots. I'm not crazy about Finn Balor being given to Bray Wyatt um, because it kind of feels like it's going to be the uh, the hocus pocus stuff. But I can see that you're probably going to get a Bray Wyatt beat down on Balor, um, and then it means that Balor has to re- re- you know retaliate with the demon. So I think that's going to be where we're going to see the demon first. Is going to be wherever the second or maybe third um, Bray Wyatt versus um, Finn Balor encounter. But um, the fun fact for this week, which we'll get into quite early in the podcast, is where in Ireland, Paul, is Finn Balor from? <laughs> Bray? He is from Bray, isn't he? So um, Bray is facing the man from Bray. Um, oh, very so good. I can only hope that when they come over here on the UK tour that you get the man from Bray versus the guy called Bray, and I assume that the special guest referee will have to be Heston Blumenthal, who has the, the fat duck in Bray. <laughs> um, so that would be um, very very good fun, especially if they so, decide that uh, the new nickname for Bray Wyatt is the fat duck. That's a recipe for disaster. Hey! But, you know, it's it, it feels like... I, lo- I love the point you make about Nakamura, because it feels very different. You know, it would have been so easy to just throw him on SmackDown against you know an other uh, jinder mahal before he got the before he got the push having you know having wrestle every week and just having blend into the background they're really not doing that they're really showcasing with someone special and crucially someone who you've got to wait Mm -hmm. to see in the ring and i know you've been a big advocate we've talked about it a few times on air and off about the idea with kurt angle being the attraction that you can only see on pay-per-view and i'm sure they're not going to go that way with nakamura but it feels very close, certainly in these early yeah. stages. And obviously, they they know they've got something special with him. They know they've got something people will quote unquote pay to see. And I understand they're also using him in dark matches after SmackDown, you know, as a way to keep the fans in the seats for 205 Live and whatever. And it just feels so, it just feels like they're just really like you mentioned earlier, back to basics booking, like that with Nakamura on Raw with Braun Strowman like you know what's Braun Strowman done other than being you know a stereotypical 1980s heel and it's worked so so well yes I'd like to point out quickly that um, what Paul's saying about my, my Kurt Angle theory if no one's heard it before is that um, I had this theory some probably a year or two ago and it probably doesn't stack up quite now because of where he is as, as the Raw general manager but my idea was if, if Kurt Angle was fit enough so you bring him back, um, I think my idea had him coming back as a Paul Heyman guy, um, and basically he would appear on one Raw, and Heyman would say, this is the last time you're ever going to see Kurt Angle on Raw. From now on, he's going to wrestle on every pay-per-view, but you, so you've got to pay to see him, or you've got to have the network to see him. He's too big for Raw. And then your setup for every pay-per-view could be the big Kurt Angle match. Um, you could, to an extent, do that with Nakamura. Now, I'm absolutely not saying that he never appears on, on SmackDown, because... Um, you need to establish someone for more than a couple of weeks rather than the you know, 15 years or so that, that Kurt's been able to do it across um, across companies. Isn't it weird, by the way, that I, I think it's ever so strange that Kurt spent more time in TNA than he did in WWE? So, yeah, that's been, a, that's been a fact that's been going around a while and it is very, very odd. It just doesn't seem right. And when they say certain numbers, like Jeff Hardy's first Raw match in eight years, is that really true? Now, I know he was on SmackDown towards the end, um, you know, so that it might be just be that he's, he's not been gone. He's never been gone for. Has he been gone for eight years, or is it, he's been well, gone for five or six? And it was just he was a couple of years where he didn't wrestle on Raw. 
that's a good question. You know, when was when was his series with CM Punk? Because that was his swan song, wasn't it? Punk retired him. It was his from, swanton song. From, yes, it was, yeah. His swanton song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was it was it a SummerSlam where they had that final match? Oh, mate, you know I'm not very good at the um the, the details when it comes to uh, those kind of things. I would I would absolutely believe you before believing me. I'm not very good at remembering certain dates and uh, and whatever. Just, but... Let's just take a page out of our friends over in the States and check out the Google machine, That's shall we? Not a problem. Uh, so let's have a look. So two, two, Jeff, CM Punk defeated Jeff Hardy for the uh, World Heavyweight Championship in 2009 at SummerSlam. Right, so seven years. So yeah, it's very feasible then that uh, it's eight years since he's been on Raw because I associate Jeff Hardy with being a SmackDown guy. So um, I will say that Jeff Hardy's one of those guys where... They often talk about the fact that he made himself. You know, it was it was somebody you only give him a couple of weeks to get over, and he would do it himself. Now, that's true to an extent, but it was mainly because they gave him the license to jump off large things. Um, is how he got over really quickly. But there was always just been something about Jeff and his in his innate charisma and just the sort of underdog feeling about him. I'd be really interested to see what they do with the Hardys in terms of because WWE does not really have a tag division. You can do this thing of bringing back the Hardys and giving them the belts, and it feels really cool, but it will get old really fast because yep. they're not going to do the broken Mount Hardy thing. Forget what you're reading. Forget whether there's a settlement with Anthem. Forget anything like that. They're not going to do it, right? It's not a WWE thing. It won't work on WWE television. They're not going to do it, okay? They might let Matt... I mean, he said... He sort of did a, a broken Matt Hardy voice this week, did he, and said tremendous. And is that they might they might chuck in one or two things, but they're not going to have those magical donkeys or whatever the bloody hell it was that they did in those stupid skits. They will go. They will have the Hardy Boys with a little bit of a twist. That's what they'll do, and and rightly so in my opinion. But at some point they're going to go. Okay, we'll have some matches with Sheamus and Cesaro, and we'll have some matches with the Revival, and then they'll go maybe some matches with the Club. Uh, but then they're, they're gonna, unless they do a, a superstar tag team, now I know something you've been talking about for a long time. He's been do, he's doing Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. Now of course Owens is now on SmackDowns. But if they were to find you know a duo, I'm thinking like a like a Randy Orton and Edge, you know that sort of thing when they when they have two people yeah, that they yeah. don't really have anything going with them. Oh, let's put them together in a team. So if you did that, a, a big superstar heel duo versus the Hardys. That would be quite fun. But at some point, they're going to say, we're out of things to do with the Hardys. So will they, within the next year or two, decide on, we can do another Jeff run here? You know, because although he's, you know, he's up there, in, certainly in his bump card, he's been around for 20 years or so, he still certainly looks young. He still seems to work like Jeff's always worked. Um, I think they might, within six months or so, go, do you know what? I think the money's in Jeff. And they might just move Matt, not to the background entirely, but I can see them splitting them up without doing a, a breakup angle, but just having them do more single stuff. And Matt maybe looks after the, the US title again, like he did that for that time. I can see them reverting to that. I actually think we're going to see a little bit of all of that, actually. You know, uh, I, I disagree with you in the fact that I think we will see a version of the Broken Hardys eventually. Now, I don't think we're going to see anyone punching a kangaroo i don't think we're going to see the lake of whatever what's it called the lake of reinvention or whatever it is no interest in what it's called whatsoever but i can see a time when you know the hardys have got the belts now they you know they lose the belts in a couple of months time to you know whoever the revival whatever um and that triggers off that and a few other things trigger off the descent into the broken hardies 
I can totally see that. And then you've still got time to do a Jeff Hardy push um, as a single later down the line. Like, like you say, his bump card is sort of filling up, as they say. But he's still relatively young. You know, he's he's and, and you look at him in the ring and, OK, he's not 1999 Jeff Hardy, but he's certainly not a withered shell. You know, the, he, he, there's, there's still something there, isn't there? He's only, you know, he's not even 40 years old yet. Yeah. Um, you've got time to do to do the lot. It's, a fair, it's a fair shout what you say, actually, there, is that, yeah, maybe, maybe you could tell a story that Matt is getting gradually more and more unhinged and that sort of like Jeff sort of like edges away from him and so Matt can maybe do a, a version a, a version 2 a version 3 of um, of the broken character and then Jeff can do his own thing that's not a bad idea I, I rather like that in terms of because um, please God no more Hardy breakups it doesn't no, work it doesn't work we've seen it a million times it does not work no one wants to see it same with the Dudleys all these breakups and stuff. Oh, they're they're, they're on different brands, and they're, one of them's a bloody deacon or a reverend, oh. or one of them's in aces and eights. And oh my goodness, it's just it's never worked. So no, the Hardys, it. the Hardys in particular. Um, whenever they put them on a breakup, boring matches, boring feuds. The the magic is in them together, yep. or Jeff as a single. Yeah, it just it just doesn't work otherwise. So um, I think they I think they'll have learned that now. Um, yep. they, they won't see Matt Hardy as a, as a big. Um, the only way that they would do the breakup now is if they decided that not I don't mean now this week I mean in the next couple of years um, is if they did decide okay Jeff is the only one we're interested in the best way of getting Jeff a big win is to have him beat Matt and then move on but it's just there's no value in it is there's no value in it they, I, I don't see the point agreed now let's move on to one of my favourite topics I am the host this week so I yeah, so am you keep the on conversation saying, yes. I am and I will be until the end of this podcast yeah. so get used to it um, let's talk brawn. Let's talk. Electrical in my opinion, or... uh, well, either or. Let's talk about the best new big man to come on the scene since my boy Ryback. I'm being <laughs> facetious. I'm being well, facetious. Well, you kind I, of are. How good a is the booking of Braun Strowman, but how fantastic is his work considering how many years he has been wrestling or do we measure it in months um i will the booking has been very good apart from last week when all the, all the ambulance pushing over and all that kind of stuff what the, well that would have been brilliant if the person that they were doing it to were sympathetic if he'd have been doing that to um, a babyface AJ Styles or to a babyface um, Daniel Bryan you know of that sort of era um, then it would have worked but they hate Roman Reigns and so this big monster badass bearded heel got the biggest cheer that anyone's ever seen he's not supposed to be getting cheered so I can't agree that the booking's really really good because it's on the wrong person it's all, it's all to do with who you do it to and had he been doing that to beloved figures, um, then I think it would have been fun. But actually, and, and here's the other thing, right? People are saying, oh, that's a brilliant way of booking Braun as a big, tough man, strong guy, blah, 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 blah. If they'd have done exactly the same angle, but flipped, so that it was Roman that was pulling the stuff over, everyone would have been saying, oh, it's more super Roman, oh, Roman gets all everything, blah, 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 oh, look at them making Roman look brilliant. So... People are completely biased to, to who it is. Um, with that out of the okay. equation, that's the negative stuff out of the way. I do think he is 
perhaps a little bit better than I was originally giving him credit for. Um, it's still not my kind of thing. I still don't really want to watch him wrestle, but uh, I accept that if you're going to wrestle that style, he does it very well. I enjoyed what he and Big Show did on Raw. Um, I could do without the ring collapsing again in my lifetime. Um, but it is a fun visual. Um, if you work off of the Jim, Jim Cornette seven-year cycle, i.e. that um, you can do something every seven years because by that point most of the wrestling fans have been cycled out and are brand new. Um, yep. So there might be some people that haven't seen the, uh, the previous ring explosions. Um, so I will grant you that you could probably do it you know, a little bit, but don't do it for another 10 years, please. So, and certainly if you're going to do it again in the future, don't keep putting it on highlight packages. Um, but that was a fun visual. Um, and more than anything, I like how he just looks like a nasty, horrible bastard. That's my favourite bit about him, is that he does just look... I think he's frightening. I think he's genuinely frightening. I think when you look at the referee go into his room and say, like, you're not supposed to do this, Mr. Strowman. Although there is a sidebar to this. is Have you seen the film There's Something About Mary? Yes. Well, Ben Stiller's character in that, I'm fairly certain, is called... Is called I can't remember what his first name is. Is it Ted? I think it's Ted. But he's called Ted... Str- Ted. He's called Ted Strowman. And he gets falsely imprisoned at one point, and the the prison guard or whoever it is comes in and goes, Mister Strowman, and, the, and and they let him go. But so every time anyone ever says the word Strowman, all I can hear is Mister Strowman, from uh, <laughs> from there's something about Mary. So that's my probably my problem and not anyone else's. But um, when the ref came in and and you know told him off, and the ref looked frightened, at, you know Braun looking at him, and I still can't quite work out who he looks like, but it looks like some sort of you know, composite figure that his head, the top of his head and the middle of his head and his beard and the rest of his body, they don't look, they don't look real to me. They look like one of those little flip books you had when you were a kid that you had an elephant's head on a antelope's middle to a giraffe's bottom or something. It was like, he, he just still doesn't look like a proper person to me. But um, he is, he is, I would say, f- fulfilling the role that he's been asked to very well. Um, it just, everything that involves Roman Reigns is a mess for whatever reason, whether that's the WWE's fault or the fans' fault or Roman's fault or whatever. And actually, I think they'd be better served keeping Braun a mile away from Roman um, and having him beat up people that the crowd don't like. Um, I could certainly see a way of getting rid of Jericho at the hands of Strowman at some point. Um, Because Jericho, now he's a babyface and we're assuming he's going to go away soon. I think it would be fun to have Strowman annihilate him. It just seems that there needs to be a few more sympathetic figures getting beaten up by him, and rather than, you know, jobbers in the back that no one cares about, and people like Roman Reigns that is, you know, cared about in a different way. I think it, it, it draws a fine line, and you know, you could you could argue nowadays in WWE that and wrestling in general, it's not so much about getting over as a face or getting over as a heel anymore. It's just about getting over. And, and well, there is that. I, I know. Uh, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean because, but it depends on. I'm see, not saying when I you said about John Cena. When you said about John Cena, you're right, because Cena has a personality that some people like and some people don't like. Some people are like that. Me and you have talked about. I don't know if we've talked about it much on air, but me and you talk about that about Conor McGregor, don't we? Mm. is that I don't know a lot about MMA, but I see McGregor on the news and whatever, and I just think he's such a horrible, nasty, flash prick that I would just want to see him battered. He just, to me, he's an, an archetypal, old-school heel. I want him killed. But he'd, he's an, an amazingly popular. 
and he does things and people go how cool is Conor McGregor and I go he's not cool he's a dick but everyone seems to love him so I'm maybe missing the point here to be fair I felt the same about Stone Cold Steve Austin when I was 12 I hated Stone Cold Steve Austin and, <laughs> and, and everyone else was thinking he was the coolest man on earth so I admit it's probably my problem and not, um, not everyone else's but Cena has that quality where some people would love Cena because he fights and he's honourable and he's quite funny and he does whatever and other people would hate Cena because he's a bit of a nerd and he thinks he's funny and he's not and he's over pushed so it works for John Cena because he's deliberate that is deliberate whatever you might say whether you think it's accident Absolutely. it's not it's deliberate they know what they're doing they've been in it for 10 years now with Cena as a sort of is he a face is he a heel um, character that is not what they're doing with Roman Reigns they do not think Correct. Or we can go. We can walk two lines. They think we can get Roman over as a babyface, and they can't, right? Correct. So therefore, to me, that hurts Strowman because Strowman is never going to be an 18-month champion carrying great matches at the top. He is a facilitator. No one has ever come in like Roman Reigns. Uh, sorry, like um, Braun Strowman to carry a company. You can't do it. Andre never did it. The Big Show never did it. Even Taker never did it, right? They are. Take as a different character entirely, but that that character cannot be the main man. He has to you be know. the person that they knock off. Now you can put him at the top for a couple of months and they have someone knock him off. That's fine, but he needs to be knocked off by a hero. And at Make the moment they're not building him properly because he's not getting knocked off by a hero. He's going to get knocked off by Roman Reigns, who no one wants to see do it. So I just wish they would part them completely. And I'm not saying it would be all that believable to have Finn Balor knock him off, but it's that sort of thing. Or Rollins. If Rollins were to beat Strowman, it could make Rollins. I just, I just, they're not going to do that. They're going to have him kill everyone, turn over vehicles, kill the big show, kick out the knockout punch, and then he's going to lose to Roman Reigns at the next pay-per-view. You see, I think inadvertently you've hit the nail on the head there. Braun Strowman isn't your number one guy. He isn't the guy you build the company around. He isn't the guy who, you know, for to use the old cliche, is the face of WWE. What Braun is, or potentially is, because I'm gonna I'm about to put him in very, very big company here. But Braun is an attraction. Yeah, agreed with I agree with and, that. And and to me, I see the direct lineage. Andre the Giant was an attraction. Yep. His successor was the Undertaker. He was the attraction. He took over. He, he took the Andre role. He was he was the guy that you could bring in, shock and awe. You know, he, you could put him at middle of the car, top of the car, wherever you want. He would draw. Then you come to Braun Strowman, and don't get me wrong, I am not trying to claim that Braun Strowman is on the level of as a draw or a worker that Andre and the Undertaker were, but he's in the same role, and that's where they want him to be. They think that in three or four years' time he could be. Now, in the modern WWE, like look, well, look at Andre and Taker. They're actually good examples. Back in the day, they were always, to be fair, clearly defined heels and faces, but they did flip flop. And I think now we, where we live in an environment where things aren't so black and white, you know, you've you've got two options. You've got you could be the big show who changes, you know, three four times a year, changes his face heel allegiance, or you could do it more on the Cena route, and you can have a guy who's just a force of nature and just get just gets a reaction, and and that reaction kind of depends on who the hell he's beating up. So Braun Strowman could come out one month and face Seth Rollins and be be the big bad the next month literally the next night he could flip over and he could come out and brutalise Kevin Owens and he's getting cheered 
and I don't think and I think I, I don't think seen as the best comparison I think Andre or Taker are I think you could it doesn't matter what reaction Strowman's getting as long as he's getting a reaction as long as it's defined as long as people are excited to see him do what he does and I think right now they absolutely are and I take your point against Roman Reigns but almost it's almost as if they're trying to turn put Strowman in the face roll against Reigns and then like I say he can go he can go off and attack Seth Rollins next next month when Reigns is finished with him or you can go with what is rumoured to happen and Brock Lesnar is going to be um, Strowman's next appoint, uh, opponent after he beats Roman Reigns. Stro- sorry to sort of harp on here, but Lesnar being another great example of the modern day version of what I'm talking about. Since he beat the streak, there's not many points where you could point to Brock Lesnar and go, he's definitely a face or he's definitely a heel. He straddled that line depending on the opponent he's faced. And it's worked. But he is, he is in the same category as John Cena. Because... If you are a younger, more naive fan that just takes everything that WWE gives to them, then Brock Lesnar, and more so Paul Heyman, is very, very, very clearly a heel. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's a heel. He's a nasty, horrible, attacks people for no reason, you know, bastard. That's a heel. However... In you know, ever since Austin changed the game and DX and, and the NWO, the cool heel, then Lesnar can have that attraction to other people. And I absolutely grant you that then you could do a Lesnar versus Strowman thing and have Lesnar be the babyface. I get that, but it would certainly be more of the case of he happens to be more babyface-like than the other heel, as opposed to he can do either role. I think it's smart that they do it this way. I'm not criticising it. I think you're right to an extent. You just, I think you're coming at it from the wrong side. Um, I disagree with your comment about Taker taking over from Andre because um, Taker, to me, goes beyond that. Andre, here's the thing. Here's controversial. Andre was no good, right? Andre was mm. tall. Andre was tall and knew how to work his um, his particular gimmick in that era because. In that era, he went from place to place to place to place. He was a territory guy. He came in for six months. He was the attraction. That attraction then faded, and he went to another territory. That's how Andre made his career. And then late on, he came to WWE and was able to do the, the main event with Hogan and then be that sort of in-the-background sort of guy. If, you, if, you're ever, if you're looking at Andre's career, you have to look at it mainly before he got to WWE. Because that was when he was in the attraction, and he was Correct. never anywhere for more than five minutes. That's where you can bring Lesnar into that because Lesnar doesn't outstay his welcome. He comes and goes, and you know when he's around, you know it's something big. the The lineage from Andre in WWE is more like the Great Carly. Um, oh come on! No, it absolutely is because it's the point is I'm not saying the Great Carly was any good, but there's a whole little clutch of people here, um, which how it's progressed I'm not saying to begin with their characters but the Big Show fits in it Kane fits in it Mark Henry fits in it which is that they've done enough in their career um, that people don't necessarily care about them anymore but they will react to them so if on Raw let's say it was Kurt Hawkins doing one of his little smart off bits um, uh, or it was Braun Strowman what he did with this week with the Big Show if they were in the ring and then Mark Henry's music hit despite the fact we haven't seen him for a little while or he's not had a defined character you're right you would get that sort of you'd get a reaction from people 
Um, it would just and but that works for all sorts of people that have been big massive guys. It worked for Viscera at one point. It worked for Kurgan at one point. Um, because people are just they see the size and the, and it's something different and they just go. They nearly worked for Broder's Clay. They went down the wrong route with Broder's Clay. But there's been people that they can do that with. I think ultimately that's what Strowman will default to. But at the moment they're onto something in terms of he's a believably you know nasty piece of work. If they can keep that going then fair credit to them. I have a horrible, nasty feeling that within 18 months he will be dressed in something bright with a smile on his face, you know, dancing with Enzo and Cass or something. Not a prayer. That, 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 that is what happens to them. That is what happens to that character. They become they become Broders Clay and Rikishi and Kurgan and Great Carly and they end up being... and Vladimir Kozlov and they end up being the smiley, silly... Baby, it will happen to Rusev as well. It almost, almost already is. Let but, me put on record here, Rob, that if that happens to Braun Strowman, I will attend our WrestleMania 35 party dressed as Luna Vachon. Okay, fair enough. I'm not saying it would absolutely, <laughs> definitely happen within that time frame, but I bet it's not far off. No, I, you know, I, I definitely, definitely disagree. I think Strowman's got the makings of that next attraction. I think he's better um, than better than almost all of the ones that I mentioned before. I, I agree, and I see him. You know, if if I think it's too optimistic and too early to peg him as the next Undertaker, I think that would be a mistake. But I could comfortably say that I could see him in the Kane role. And yeah. Kane did have his comedic moments. There's no doubt about it. You know, he's a Kane Rooney and whatever else. But by and large, Kane has been a serious character that has got enough credibility to come back to being a serious character, even after he's done something a little bit silly. And I could see Strowman doing that. If he can continue with his rate of progress that he's shown over the last year, the sky's the limit. And, and admittedly, he's a sort of guy, and like Andre before, you know, like, I think you've been slightly unfair on Andre. I think he's better than you give him credit for. He's not going to be, and never was, a five-star match guy, obviously. But I think for being the worker that he was, like you mentioned, there's, there's plenty of other giants that have, came, that have come in wrestling as big as Andre. There's been the giant Gonzalez. There's been Kurgan. There's been the great Carly. There's Haystacks Calhoun. There's big, what's his name? Uncle Elmer, I don't know, whatever his yeah. name was. There's been plenty of big dudes, but there's only one Andre the Giant. Yeah, and that's, and that's because he did what he did to a far greater level than any of those other guys and and, and then I'd say that's not just on Andre that's Andre and Booking combined I and think it's going to be the case with Strowman I think you've taken me a bit literally um, when I said Andre was no good I'll, I'll say something else um, Hogan was no good Ultimate Warrior was no good um, the point is is that they are not great wrestlers, is my point. But it doesn't mean they're not some of the biggest attractions of all time. We had a, a whole a whole episode where we talked about Hogan a few weeks ago when Richie P was on. And people yeah. all know how I talked about Hogan. He's never been my guy. But you absolutely have to respect that when it comes to, quote-unquote, working... I don't like using those terms, but as a worker... Hogan is among the best ever because working doesn't necessarily mean you're a great technical wrestler. It means you yep. get the reactions and Hogan always got the reactions. He drew always drew the money and he still could in certain ways if he was used probably not as a wrestler but as a as an attraction because he always will be because he's that good an attraction. And it was the same sort of thing with Andre. My point was is that if, if Hogan didn't have his charisma, if Andre didn't have his size, they wouldn't have a career. The point is is you've got to have 
that intangible and they had it which clearly Carly didn't other than being tall and being yeah, Indian and he worked for a market then he didn't have that thing and lots of other ones haven't had and uh, King Kong Bundy didn't have it and there's lots of uh, they might have had something that they had a good career don't get me wrong Bundy was quite capable um, but they weren't Andre level like you're talking about so that when I said he's no good I meant he's not a good he was not don't kid yourself that he was a good wrestler because he wasn't he was an awful no, wrestler fair enough. but so fair was enough. Hogan and it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not a huge star that was my point is that I'm saying that to me Strowman is no good he's not a good wrestler but the best thing that Strowman does is he he, he fights people like he's a monster he doesn't try and he doesn't try and use too much technique and arm bars and you know, you know Terry Funk style, you know single legs and all this kind of thing. He just batters them, and he wrestles like a monster. And I like that. It's much more believable because he wouldn't be trying to do, you know, you know pirouettes and leapfrogs and and stuff like that. Every now and again, you can go. What did we talk about when when Goldberg did that spear on Lesnar and Lesnar leapfrogged him? Yeah. As a one-off, we went, whoa! Well, most people do leapfrogs every night, twice, and you don't say anything about it. But Correct. because Lesnar never does it, it's that there is a line in one of Mick Foley's books where he talks about Undertaker gets more of a reaction diving over the top rope once a year than T- Taka Michinoku gets doing a twist in Sukahara every night. And it's like, it's about picking your moments for it. And I always thought that was one of the problems. I used to love watching Hernandez in, in TNA, but... He would do that dive every night, and it was like, "Come on, Sean, like pull it out at the right time." And just like you're wasting, you're 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 a big. I always thought there was a lot of potential in Hernandez, but he oh, tried to great. wrestle. But he tried to wrestle like a cruiserweight all the time, and it lost his luster because once you've seen that, you go, "Well, now what have you got?" Because he couldn't oh, talk. He had to have you know homicide doing you know that sort of stuff for him. And I loved LAX. It was a great fun tag team, but he pulled those tricks out way too much. And if you are so right, if Strowman ever does a big jump over the top rope, it should be the first and only time he does it for five years, because you just need to protect those kind of things. And at the moment, he's doing it right. To me, he's doing it right. I I could not agree more. You know, you know me. I I am a mark for a for a good for a working big man. You know, I'd rather watch Vader do his thing than Takamichinoku, for one you've just mentioned. um, Every day of the week, and I I loved Hernandez for about five minutes in TNA do you remember that episode where super nice guy by the way lovely fella great guy great guy but when he first started doing that super mech stuff and I remember he came out at the end I can't remember the exact context but he came out at the end of an episode and just cleared house and it was like whoa Mm. like here's the guy and in fact TNA used to do that all the time back in the day I can think of at least two other guys you know Matt Morgan Tyson Tyson Tomko was another where they TNA always got step one right with these characters so many times even guys like Rob Terry they got step one right every time Magnus I could go on and on and on but they couldn't keep the momentum going they were so good at putting these characters on launch pads I'd forgotten Rob Terry I was there the night that Rob Terry won. What title did he win? The was it the global title? It had loads of different names, didn't it? I can't it was the what it was it the Legends title or whatever. It was they the Legends it. title. It was it had all sorts of different names. I can't I, remember what it was when he I won. I was it. there. He won it in Cardiff. And Rob, yes. Rob Terry is from Swansea. 
and he came out and they went from Cardiff, Wales and the, basically half the audience went no he isn't he's mm. from he's from Swansea Ooh, and, it was like, and he was getting booed by someone if they'd have just gone from Wales he'd have got cheered but they oh, said from dear. Cardiff, Wales that, that's not true that, <laughs> so, that, that reminds me of my favourite ever Dixie Carter story now I know it's easy to criticise Dixie so I'm not going to come here and start slagging her off but there was a really great moment where we were I was in Glasgow at this hotel just outside Glasgow a nice castle type hotel where her and her husband were staying mm-hmm. and she's like Dixie Carter is fantastic company um, you know you spent yeah. plenty of time in it plenty of time in her company enjoying mm-hmm. the hospitality great company you made that sound really creepier nice than woman. it really ought to have been but yes, <laughs> but yes really yes. nice woman and we were having a really nice lunch a few bottles of wine and she goes oh Paul um one of the fans has given me a Scotland shirt. I'm going to wear it at the show tonight because there's a Glasgow TNA event that night. I was going, oh, okay, cool. And she goes, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's his lovely blue shirt, and he's giving me this Scotland shirt. I said, oh, right, great, great. You know, thought no more of it. And then, sort of ten minutes later, I just turned to her and said, Dixie, can you go and get me that shirt just to show it, just to just to show me? So she screwed up to her room, and we were a few bottles of red wine into the meal at this point. And she came down. She said, I'll, "I'll put it on. I'll put it on. I'll show you what it looks like." Okay. And she came down, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this. In is, Glasgow. It, is it Rangers by any chance? Yeah, it was a Rangers shirt. It was a Rangers shirt. It was a Rangers shirt. It wasn't a Scotland shirt. It was a Rangers shirt. And I said, "Dixie, oh God, if you go out in that shirt tonight, you will get half the audience screaming for you, wanting to do anything for you, and you'll get the other half." wanting to tear your ring to pieces because you're the biggest baby face in the company and you've just absolutely pissed on half your audience and bless her she was absolutely crushed because all she wanted to do was wear this shirt that a fan had given her and acknowledge that this guy had given her it and show that she was you know you know part of the fan culture and she, and i just said dixie you cannot wear this shirt tonight the End only of- the only way you could have done anything along those lines would have been if you'd have had... I'm trying to think of a sort of sympathetic, fun... Baby. Oh, no, I'll tell you who could have done it. Is that Daniels and Kaz could have done it. And one, one wore a Celtic shirt and one wore Perfect. a Rangers shirt. Well, I think last year in uh, when WWE played Glasgow, Seamus and Cesaro did the exact same thing. I saw Cesaro something... In, I, actually saw, I, saw, I saw something in the week with Seamus with a Celtic shirt on, so I assume that was... Uh, Something along those lines. Yeah, um, I, I, I saw Stacey Keebler come out in Manchester wearing a Manchester United shirt, and they couldn't understand why she got booed. And it's like <laughs> I was it, there too. Yeah, this it's a it's a constant thing. Well, we do have a different sport, you know, a culture of sport in this country, don't we? About you don't yes, do. necessarily support your hometown team. I think broadly you do. I think if you came out in Leeds wearing a Leeds shirt, you know, you'd probably do okay with the audience. But also. We, we have so many conurbations which are close to one another that if you run a show in Manchester there's a very fair chance that a lot of your audience are from Liverpool because oh, it's only 40 miles away or whatever so they'd have come over to, to see the show so you probably can you can get away with certain markets if it's a small crowd or whatever but of course London in specific there is no London football team is there there's hundreds no, bundles you know, of them if, so. if WWE run Raw in Denver for instance there's no other NFL teams within a three mile three hour drive I don't think um, I might be slightly wrong but you get the point within a mile so, high drive so you can you can stick 
a Denver Broncos shirt on and you're pretty much guaranteed to get a good cheer. But like you say, you come out of Manchester and your your fam, your crowds there are going to be Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Everton, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds, you know, you name it. Um, you just can't you just can't do it. I think it should just be best avoided completely. There's no uh, good way of doing it unless you broaden it completely is that you can you could get away with a Scotland shirt. If it was a Scotland shirt in Scotland then yes. you could pretty much get away with it. In the same way as you could get away with an England shirt in England and and whatever. For the most part you could do. It's a bit it's a bit broad, but I certainly remember we mentioned um you've mentioned Magnus a couple of times in this podcast, but you know, Nick Aldis and um whatever else he's there. Does he work as Nick Aldis on the on the Indies or does he still work as Magnus? I'm not quite sure what he works he, as. But, uh, well, I think it I think it flits between like for yeah. instance when he did that five star wrestling, he was Nick Aldis wearing Magnus trunks. Oh, okay. Um but I know he's uh, for World of Sport he's Magnus. Okay, well, let's, on it very much. let's call him let's call him Magnus for the time being then. But um um someone I've always been a big fan of, by the way. I think he's still got bundles of potential if if he's used in the right way in whatever company. Um but I remember there was one particular I think a lot of um a lot of people have a, a moment. Uh, hopefully, we're going to later on in this podcast. I'm not the host of this, so I can't control. But Paul, will, I think later on, will be introducing a bit of a new feature that we're going to be doing. And part of that, we're going to be focusing on specific um, individuals. And I think that uh, something that we can look at is just part of the chat, not necessarily part of the interactive portion that we're going to be doing. But part of the chat is is a breakthrough moment that people had. Um, I, without going into too much detail, I particularly remember there was a Survivor Series where CM Punk was on the same team as DX and, yeah. they, and they endorsed him and that to me was his moment and there's been certain people that have had a moment I, I always say about Wade Barrett had a um, uh, a moment on NXT where they were throwing out um, subjects for them to talk about and it was a genuine on the spot bit of improv and they almost all fell flat on their face including Daniel Bryan who I seem to remember was talking about toothpaste or something and it didn't really work and they said to, they said to Wade Barrett wind and he went, I'll talk to you about wind. Let me tell you about the winds of change that are going to be running through the WWE. He's like, whoa, that was good. That's why that move was called the winds of change, I believe, because that's what he said from, the, from that promo. Yep. Well, Magnus's one was in, uh, in Wembley Arena. You'd have definitely been there. Um, and I forget who he was working with. I think it might have been with Doug at the time doing a British Invasion thing, but it doesn't matter if it wasn't. Um, but he stood there and he went, and he said, he said um, you know, he went, I've got a lot of time for the Scots. I've got a lot of time for the Welsh. I don't even mind the Irish. But for tonight, for one day only, this is England. And the place just went, wah! Yeah. And bear in mind that TNA used to wrestle in front of 800 people. Lucky if they were lucky on house shows. And this was Wembley Arena and there was a legit 9,000 people there. It was The reaction was absolutely monstrous. Now, I don't remember them quite getting it right on TV. I never always remember seeing them the TV they do use it on the TV but I seem to remember they put it they did something out of order or they changed the reaction or did a cut away or some such thing or they cut some of the promo I can't remember exactly what it was but I just remember being in the building and went oh my god he's a star it was just the, the delivery I mean admittedly that's in our country so he's then got to go and work for the other 11 and a half months of the year in America but he just nailed it that one promo he nailed it Mate, he really, really... I know exactly the moment you're talking about. And the match was actually Magnus and Samoa Joe against That's Matt right. Morgan and Hernandez. That's right. It was when he was doing the Joe stuff. I've forgotten about that team. That was a really cool team. 
yeah no it was really really good and mate we've we've talked a lot about some really really interesting topics on this on this show on this show and obviously i credit the host um <laughs> with 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 moving the conversation in that direction but yeah. what i want to do for them for the first little time now is i do want to get people to know you a little bit better because obviously as most people know um we are going to be running some shows in july that we're quite excited about we're bringing the something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard uh, podcast over to the UK for the first time and we are absolutely buzzing about it um, tickets are selling like the proverbial hotcakes um, and we're pretty sure we're going to get some massive crowds at all, all the shows now one thing that people have been asking about a few times is what's Conrad's involvement what's Conrad Thompson's involvement going to be it is such a good job on the shows in the States um, unfortunately Conrad's not going to be able to join us but he has and, and, and this sounds really cheesy and a bit manufactured, but he's endorsed you, hasn't he, Rob? You know, you you and him have had some long chats, um, and he because you know he he wasn't he wasn't just going to give anyone the baton because he you know his reputation is on the line, his brand name is is on these shows, and he wanted to make sure that you were going to do a good job. Is that right? Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, first of all, I want to crush any you know suggestion from the start that. This is, an, this is some sort of vanity project where we got Bruce over only under the auspices that as long as I host it, you know, it was not, I genuinely God, no. genuinely wanted Conrad to come I would far prefer Conrad to be hosting it than me, I'm very daunted by it um, but here's what happened is that when, when we found out, and it was a long you know, period of negotiation when we were trying to get him over and trying to work out how it was best, it's simply, we can't work it with dates, at any, there's you know, potential a couple of weeks later than we could have he could have come over but then Bruce might have been struggling and we wouldn't have got venues and all sorts of things anyway the, the point is is that it just wasn't workable and, and that's the way it goes um, and then we were talking about who we could get to try and do it and I, th- you know, I think it was Conrad that said well look you're a host and you know perhaps it should be you that does it you know given that you you're, you're part of it why should we go looking elsewhere when there's someone else around so yeah if, like as Paula said if you don't know me um, I'm the guy in London if you come to the London Hooked on Wrestling shows then it's generally me that's hosting um, uh, I think I've, how many have we done in London we've done something like 13 or 14 and I've hosted sort of 11 or 12 of them so if you've come to the London ones it's generally me um, if you came to any of the PSI event shows um, that were run with Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Jim Ross, Chris Jericho. I was the host of those for the most part. I missed a couple of Bret ones, but other than that, I was uh, an ever-present. Um, so yeah, I have done these things before. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm as... In fact, I am saying I'm not as good as Conrad because I'm not as good as him um, in the format. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a great deal of fun and, and not going to have the uh, the same dynamic because, as Paul says, I've been chatting to Conrad. We will produce it in the same way I've been interested to find out some of the little secrets about something to wrestle with which I won't divulge because that's not fair but it's really interesting to know how much Conrad prepares for what's going to happen and so he can put Bruce on the spot and Bruce doesn't really know what's coming and it's it's quite an interesting way of doing it so Conrad and I will be working together on um, what is being he's kind of my executive producer really um, sort of priming me for the role um, so yes, I'm quite daunted in terms of in terms of doing it, but it feels nice that they are happy with it. Listen, if if Bruce and Conrad had said no, we don't want Rob to do it, we want someone else to do it, I wouldn't necessarily have been offended. It depends who they'd have chosen in the head of me. You you liar. Well, no, well, yeah, if they'd have said we want this guy, and I didn't think he was as good as me, then I might have done. But it wouldn't have bothered me if they'd have said no, we want Bruce to do it on his own, um, and to take questions from the audience or to read from a script or 
have Conrad, you know, do some pre-recorded questions or something, I would have understood it because it's you know it's their baby. So I'm hugely privileged um, to have been there, to have been asked to do this, um, or at least not been asked, but to have been you know co-opted onto it. So um, I suppose this is really the point. You're you're the host of this particular yeah. podcast, and you, you... you normally have to do all the plugs. So is this a good point for me to do my little bit of plugging? Like you, like Go I normally on, throw. I normally throw you under the bus and go, go on, Paul, give us all the details. Tell um, us all about it. I will. So I will tell you the hottest podcast in pro wrestling right now, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, is coming to the UK for the first time. We are live in Birmingham on Sunday the 16th of July, Manchester on Monday the 17th of July, and in London on Tuesday the 18th of July. Tickets are available right now from hookedonevents.com and ringsideworld.co. UK. We have a range of tickets available. You can simply come along and watch the show, sit in your seat, enjoy what's going on, maybe get the chance to ask a question. Or we also have different levels of VIP tickets, which include being able to uh, get to meet Bruce, get something signed, get a picture taken, and even at the very top level of VIP, um, you can get Bruce to leave a message on your answer phone as one of the various characters that he does on the Something to Wrestle With podcast. So it's going to be a very unique experience. Tickets are going at a, a moderate to fast speed. Let's say that. There is plenty available, so don't panic. But at the same time, if you are looking for VIP, we would suggest that you do not mess around too much um, because VIP tickets are going at a decent clip. And we're getting pretty near to payday to a lot of people. A lot of people get paid towards the end of the month on a Friday. So uh, we are expecting a little bit of a, a run on things towards the end of April. Don't forget you've got a long time to uh, to sort this out in terms of if you need to get your, your, uh, your act together, get your friends together to organise because it's not happening until the middle of July. But be aware that the better tickets, the better packages are like to go in advance um, this is a bit of a new thing for us like I said I've been involved with the PSI events before but on a hosting capacity not an organising one um, but Bruce and Conrad are in the flow of this they have done a show uh, at Wrestlemania they are in the process of getting a show together um, in uh, St. Louis I forget exactly what um, pay-per-view that's for but it's around about a pay-per-view that's coming up uh, in a couple of months time they're running a show uh, in New York City so they are getting used to promoting shows in different venues and all the information that we get back from them is just how fast those tickets sell out, how fast the VIP things sell out. Um, and so we are moving at a, a relatively good rate. We are very happy with what we've uh, what we've achieved so far, um, but we want more and more of you to come along uh, and be part of the show. So what we will be doing is essentially in the next few weeks and months, we will gradually be in giving you a bit more of an idea of what is going on on those evenings but generally speaking it will be close to the podcast format that you are used to listening to something to wrestle with um, with an added Q&A at the end so it's likely to be maybe two thirds or so of the podcast um, or the podcast format and then towards the end we will offer it up to the floor so people can ask Bruce some questions um, and we will be keeping it pretty UK centric so a lot of the topics that we'll be talking about we're not just going to sit there and do you know two and a half hours on let's say um, you know the career of Ted DiBiase I know they've done that one but for someone like that or you know let's let's do the career of um, Rick the Model Martel we're not going to sit and do, do that kind of thing we're going to keep it quite British centric and we'll try and mix up the shows as well so it's not the same show in Birmingham as it is in Manchester as it is in London so um, all that's still in the planning but we, uh, we are moving along nicely me and Conrad are finding some avenues in which we can tie up Bruce and get him to reveal some interesting info so once again it's the 16th of July to the 18th of July Birmingham, Manchester, London 
Um, we have said that if these go amazingly quickly, then we would think about adding other dates. Um, but, but it does mean in, we'd need a huge amount of, uh, of interest to do that one. So apologies if you're from, from Cardiff or Glasgow or any other part of the world which you feel has been neglected. We can only get Bruce for a certain amount of days. We can only go to a certain amount of markets. But if this is a huge success, um, this will not be our only venture. Um, so if these are very, very successful, then we will look to either bring Bruce back or extend this one or bring other people over, and then we can look to go into other markets. So please be aware we are not ignoring you um, in the provinces. I certainly know what it's like living down here in, in deepest, darkest Devon. No one ever comes down here except <laughs> remarkably NXT last year. Um, but generally speaking, we are neglected a little bit. So if all goes well, we will look to do that in the future. Um, just a couple of other points to make is that uh, you can also um, follow us on Facebook, which is Facebook facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling and you can follow us on twitter as well which is basically the same but it's twitter.com forward slash ho underscore wrestling so that's how you can find us on our social media we also have a website now at hookedonevents.co.uk um, which we are gradually filling up with uh, some information we've got a couple of uh, um, bloggers involved on the site now not just uh, me and Paul but uh, our friend Chris Groves decided to write some stuff as well and uh, so uh, gradually more and more for you to find on the uh, the whole hooked on universe oh I feel dirty saying that but uh, <laughs> it's the only Mate, way I can put it you're going to put me out of a job well thank goodness I'm better at plugging than you are at hosting eh? <laughs> go on then um, what's our Instagram um, our Instagram is twitter. Uh, Instagram dot com forward slash ho underscore wrestling. Unlucky. Uh, just again, <laughs> as a guess, almost always Twitter and Twitter and Instagram are the same. So I took, uh, a, I, took a, I took a punt on that one. Stick to the day job, Rob. Stick to the day job. No, I think my day uh, job social media. <laughs> <laughs> and mine's advertising, so we're really screwed, aren't yeah. we? No, no, I think, you know, just to reiterate what Rob said, I think it's going to be, you know, the content of these shows, we're really excited. We've only just started preliminary discussions about what's going to be included. But one thing we will say is that we're not going to be just repeating these shows. You know, as as you guys know, these shows aren't just rehearsed pieces. They're all going to be unique shows with unique topics, unique content. You know, I'm sure some of you will be, you know, quite sort of flexible. If you were to come to more than one event, you would see two very different shows. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some repetition. You're going to get a few cool impressions from Bruce. You're going to get some uh, witticisms from Rob. But the content and what you learn, because that's what I love about this this podcast, is not entertainment value is amazing, but it's what it's the little nuggets that I pick up that. And without fail I learn something every podcast and that's what you're going to get and and you if you don't come to the shows you might never hear it again um, so you know if anyone is thinking about wanting to really sort of indulge themselves is you know come 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 to more than one you know if you can come to Birmingham and Manchester fantastic hell I'll tell you what come to all th- anyone that comes to all three I'll buy them a bloody beer in London how's that is that fair Rob uh, no it's not even nearly fair you should give them a discount ah <laughs> give them a bloody discount we'll sort something out we will sort you out if you come to all three we will make it we'll do something very 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 special for you indeed definitely definitely I'm thinking maybe a maybe a hooked on party season ticket or something we will say look we'll make it we'll we'll, we'll, We'll make it worth your while reward that commitment um, who knows? Who knows? We might send you out for a beer with Rob so you can enjoy his company for an hour. Who oh, knows? Wow, what, a, um, what an exciting <laughs> prospect for them that is. 
<laughs> mate but you know it's been it's been a long time in the planning this and we're, we're so excited you know we've got a few other things that we're bubbling away with at the moment um this one is our focus if this goes well then who knows what's going what's going to happen in the future eh? i'm going to try the times. tiniest little teaser here to everyone and i am absolutely not going to elaborate paul so don't panic but me and paul have a potential meeting booked in june which is based off of the idea that the Bruce Pritchard thing will go well and that we can do something else in the future. And it's a very, very cool project if it comes off. But if this doesn't work, we won't do any more. So there's a little added incentive there. There is something definitely in the future that we are hugely excited about if our meeting in June comes off. That is all I can say. And I'm now going to stop because I can already feel Paul panicking that I'm giving away <laughs> any information. And on that note, why don't we why don't we wrap this up by talking about the feature we're going to introduce next week, Robbie? Uh, okay. You sound you sound. No, you're going to get to know me. You, you said we're going to get to know Rob, and we did a little bit of plugging about Pritchard, and then we, we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay. Well, are we learning about me, or are we doing a new feature? Come on. <laughs> Focus. Let's let's talk about you for a little while, shall we, Rob? Oh, let's talk oh shucks! Oh, I didn't. Oh, let's not make it all about me. Go on then. No, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm I, again inexperienced host, but yeah, let's. What I want to do is is get yeah, let's get to know you a little bit. Let's get to know your taste. Now, what we're gonna do? We're gonna do something we don't do with our guests normally because we're a little bit tongue in cheek, mate. You you know, you're a known guy. People who are listening to this know who you are from the parties or your previous podcasts or whatever. They know they know your you know you know what 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 floats your boat. But one thing I don't think I've ever heard you talk about is is you know your out and out favourite moments and your favourite things from wrestling past. And I know we talked about this briefly before we went on air, but you asked me specifically to to surprise you and put you on the spot. Yeah, because so, there's no there's no fun just doing a sort of straight off. I could write write some answers down and fill in a questionnaire otherwise. So yeah, I don't no, I don't want to so, know what you're going to ask me. So what I'm going to do, Rob, is I'm, I am going to ask you some quite quick fire questions, yep. and I don't necessarily want to elaborate. If you if you feel the need to say a few words on this, fantastic. But really, I want this to be fodder for future podcasts. Okay. Um, and what I want you to do is just give me the first thing that pops into your head. Sure. Um, we're only going to spend a couple of minutes, like guys. So don't be too weird. We're not we're not going to do like you know 45 questions, but I just want to I just want to sort of get a feel for and we've never spoken about this in such sort of base terms have we we've never gone and said Not Paul really, what's your no. favourite this that and the other so you know maybe maybe this is something I could do on, on the flip side in, in a few podcast time or whatever but it's a good backup for the next time we haven't got a guest and we can yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll stack so it up I, I don't think you'll be letting me host again that's for sure so um, well, let's <laughs> let's let's give it a go so alright let, let's start with you've got a line detector going what, who's your favourite wrestler Rob all time of all time Brett the Hitman Hart Brett Hart I think yeah, I knew. Yeah. I think I knew where you were coming with that one. And who's your favourite wrestler currently? Um, oh, it's it's not. Uh, I don't think it's a shock to say. It. I don't think it's original, but you, I've got to say AJ Styles. AJ Styles, he's, yeah. He's got, in terms of in-ring action, in terms of matches that you just know he's going to deliver. Um, I don't think there's anyone more exciting that you just know is going to be a, a great match every time. I don't think you're going to get much of an argument there, are you, from many people? And and greatest match of all time. Um, I often have two answers for this because um, one of them is you know something that is more personal to me um, as, a, as a Bret Hart fan so I often say Bret Hart versus Steve Austin um, because I think anyone can any wrestling fan of any era I'm talking about Wrestlemania 13 specifically of course the submission match um, I think any wrestling fan of any era 
can sit down and watch that match right now and spend half an hour just enjoying what a great match it is, what a great fight, how realistic. Um, and it's historically significant because I believe that without that, Steve Austin wouldn't have been um, exactly what he became. He would have got there in the end because he was that good and, and you know you, you, you don't stop progress. But um, Brett was the perfect facilitator. Um, it's one of Brett. Brett's strength was always as much as anything making someone else look good. Um, and Brett made Steve look like an absolute million dollars that night. Um, so that's one of them. That's a kind of a favourite. Um, but I was at WrestleMania 25, um, and the fact that um, the fact that I was at WrestleMania 25 and got to see Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, you know, I, I can't go away from that as being probably the best match of all time. I'll, I'll put it as a joint favourite if that's a if that's a, a fair thing to say. Okay. What's the gr- what's the best wrestling belt of all time, Rob? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. The best belt. I'm not a big belt guy. I remember there. I remember doing a, a spot on a podcast a few years ago, and someone you know was talking about oh the big deal about the belt, and I sort of went mm, I don't really know what you mean. Um, I'd probably be boring and say the the winged eagle WWE title belt from you know from Brett's era when he was the champion, the the famous one with with Hogan and Brett, because that's what I grew up with I guess but I'm certainly not a big belt guy I wouldn't really be able to tell you what a lot of them look like now nothing boring about that mate nothing boring whatsoever okay um, best event of all time best single event very very tricky um, I've got a soft spot and this will surprise a lot of people because if you're asking me about my preferences one thing that you'd find in speaking to me a lot about wrestling is that I'm really very anti-hardcore wrestling Um yep. It's to, a lot of it's not wrestling. It's just getting hurt for the sake of it. Um, just using weapons which you've got no, you know, athletic ability. Um, I'm very down on it. I was moved by the Nigel McGuinness documentary, so I'm pretty anti-blood as well. If people say, "Oh, there should be more blading," I really don't think there should be. Um, which all might, all of that might make it sound very strange. When one of the first things that jumps to my mind is the original ECW One Night Stand. Um, and I was never a huge ECW guy. Um, and there's some bits on that show which go a bit too far but generally speaking there was just something utterly special about that event about how it was all put together how loving it was towards the, the previous product how it used the very cleverly used the, the, the contemporary WWE superstars as the heels on the night bringing them in and sitting them in the balcony um, there was an unbelievable magnetism in the room that night the love for Sandman when he made his entrance and, and that kind of thing um, so there's that's a strange answer. I almost, almost wouldn't expect myself to say that. Um, in terms of wrestling itself, I'm very fond of SummerSlam '91 because it's the first pay-per-view I ever saw, ever saw, and you know I fell in love with wrestling based off of that. And I can still hear Roddy Piper's commentate, you know, commentary saying, "What a night!" When you know another title belt changed hands, going towards the baby faces, it had Bret versus Kurt Henning on it, which is one of the greatest matches of all time. Um, so those are two that kind of jumped to my mind. I certainly could, I could probably sit and think about these questions for another couple of days and give you very well, different answers. That that wasn't the idea, but I'm really chuffed with those answers. I I really wholeheartedly agree with them both, but didn't expect you to say either. We're going to finish on one that you can interpret any way you like, and when I say you can interpret any way you like, you can. This can be. Um, event it can be a theme it can be an individual wrestler it can be whatever you want but i'm going to say what is your wrestling guilty pleasure 
Wow, that is, that's a tricky one. So I don't, I'm not a big fan of that term, because I think wrestling in itself is probably a guilty pleasure, if you're um, determined that way. But once you're a fan, I think what you mean is, is what's something that I really, really like that I shouldn't? Is that... I, is, I, uh, yeah, basically. What do you really, really like that the majority frown upon? I like it when they get the comedy right. And a lot of people think that wrestling should be quite serious all the time. And I think there are certain bits that have cracked me up no end. There is a, a, skit, a skit that they did about ten years ago where they did the, the WWE dating game. When oh, Re- yes. Regal was the GM and it involved Santino and Hacksaw Duggan and Maria and... Farouk and a few others which I found utterly hilarious um, so certain parts of the comedy that they do I suppose would be um, would be an answer to that well, I'm, 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 I want to find a better answer to that though. I want to find like an, an act or something that you wouldn't expect me to like um, I don't know I, I don't really class anything as a guilty pleasure in terms of I'll just tell you that I like it I'm not usually you know, particularly uh Fair enough. Embarrassed by it, you know. Um, Fair enough. I, I think maybe, um, I think maybe I could say that um, there'd be more things that I don't like that people would be surprised about. You know, things that people. Be, I'm, I've never liked Survivor Series. Oh. I'll, I'd be more likely to reverse the guilty pleasure. So rather than having something that I do like that I shouldn't, I probably have a lot of things that I don't like which people think that I should. A guilty disdain. It's almost like the other way around. So, <laughs> I, I I've never liked Survivor Series. It doesn't the concept. I think the concept's hope, hopeless. It doesn't work. Um, and I, I, I'm glad they got rid of it because it's just it's uh, you know to me it's a bit silly. There's, there's no real okay. reward to it. And I don't and I don't like I particularly don't like war games. There you go. There's another one Ooh, for it. War games is a bloody stupid um, concept which they never bring back. And TNA tried to emulate with Lethal Lockdown, which is even worse. Have the uh, have the faces ever won the coin toss? No, well neither neither should they. To be fair, and that does, <laughs> that does make sense. But my my point my problem with war games is always well, it can't end, can it, for twenty minutes? No, it's no like, it was like get on with it. And then there's always a thing with lethal lockdown. Just get on with it. I need to know that there could be an ending. And it was just anyway, I, not my thing. Well, mate, that's a very interesting set of answers. And like I say, I would like to revisit those in future. But let's wrap this up you know we've 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 got lives to lead but i want to talk to you <laughs> about the the new feature we're going to bring into to the show next week now i think the, it's fair to say that the feedback on our wrestlemania mixtape on our wrestlemania impossible challenge was pretty strong i think people really enjoyed it people were literally tuning in from week to week to find out what we're going to do next so we, we thought right what could we do to to keep this on didn't we rob and, and credit mm-hmm. to rob this was his idea well, what we're going to start with next week um, is, and we haven't thought of a snazzy, cool, awesome name for this yet, but I can guarantee we will have done by this time next week. We want to, when we bring our guests on next week, we're going to we're going to put together a mixtape of wrestling history. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus each week on an individual wrestler or a tag team. Could be either. The only criteria is these guys must have held the world title or the intercontinental title or the world tag team titles or a belt of equivalent stature in the WWE or WCW um, and what we're going to do is Rob and I are going to take a guy and we are going to argue the toss for their greatest match or moment in their career um, quite simply we're going to put our arguments forward 
Um, we're going to have a week to prepare these, obviously, because we, you know, we'll, we'll each know in advance who who, who we're going to be looking at, and then we're going to let our guests decide who goes on our, you know, can we call it can we call it the Hooked on Hall of Fame? No, we can't. That's a bit wanky, but no. the idea stands. Um, it's it's our it's our wall 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 of honour. Um, Stop trying to come up with things. <laughs> We, we, will th- we will think of something in due course. We, we will think do. of something good. So we're going to get that on there. Um, we need to get the ball rolling though, because what the plan is that the guest who judges it each week will choose our topic for the following week. Um, obviously, we haven't got a guest this week, so we want you guys to decide where we start with this. So what we're going to do in the next couple of days, we're going to put a poll on Facebook, and we'll give you a few options. You know. Rob and I have got our favourites, be it Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels or Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar or The Undertaker or whoever it might be. We're going to pick someone and we're going to put... What should we do, Rob? Should we give them five different options on there to choose from? I think that's um, that's a fair that's a fair, a fair thing to do. But um, what we also want to do is with this, taking this... Now, listen, this is a, a long-running feature which we can kind of do forever. Do you know what I mean? If we only do one a week, then goodness me, doing doing a hundred and lasting two years is really not going to be that hard we can uh, we can still do that um but what we want to do is we want to shake it up so we don't want to go you know Bret Hart the first week and then Shawn Michaels the second week and then Hulk Hogan and then The Undertaker and then Ric Flair and just do all the big names there's no reason why we can't do you know a couple of big world champions one week and then and then maybe we do demolition and then maybe we come back and we do Yokozuna and then we do Sid Justice or, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of ways that we can take this, you know, to explore um, what people are about. So I don't think um, uh, I don't think we want to or just restrict it to the best. We can take it in all sorts of different ways. Um, a JBL would be a really fascinating one because he was champion for so long. What was the best match he had and why? Um, so, yeah, so we're going to put it out to you with a few names this week. We'll probably will keep put it on the uh, on the big name front this week, but we'll certainly be sent to our guests that we want to uh, take it any which way we go. Um, I'd like to thank Dave Mastiff, who was a guest on this podcast a few weeks ago, who was very complimentary about um, the WrestleMania mixtape and was one of the people that gave us the impetus to want to try and keep the thread going. So um, there's a couple of other ideas that we have as well that we're going to explore. So we might not do this... Um, you know, forever in a day. It might be something that comes and goes. But certainly from next week onwards, um, we're going to be taking a wrestler or a team or um, yeah, a wrestler or a team um, and going through. But we'll also we'll talk about some other matches. We won't just go one match against another match. We'll have a little talk about some ones that just missed the cut. And we will certainly invite it out to you guys on social media. Tell us what your favourite match with this particular wrestler is. Um, and we'll, we'll bring you in on it and maybe read some of your comments out. So we'd certainly like to get... Um, a good flavour of, of what people think, and uh, you know these things are not fixed. So if uh, if we feel that we can change it and augment it and make it a little bit more interactive, then we'll do so. So maybe we can have a you know an, an opinion from the the house, which is you know Rob and Paul and and the guest, and maybe there's a sort of a fan's opinion that sort of goes alongside it. So um, yeah. we, we will work something out. Let's figure it out. We'll this the, the it will ebb and flow, and we'll make it whatever you guys want it to be. So look out um, on uh, on Facebook. Um, that is facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling. <laughs> there you go, Rob. We're coming to an end. I want to thank you for being the inaugural guest on my podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. And last. <laughs> and the last. <laughs> well, you know, where can we go from here? It doesn't get any better. But yeah, guys, you know, thank you for putting up with me this week. Um, normal service will resume next week. You know, for all the piss taking I give him, you know, I've got to say that Rob 
I've always known Robbie's an exceptional host at these things. I can say that with even more confidence now I've tried to do for, do it for a week. I'm, I'm a confident bloke. I like the sound of my own voice. I'm not afraid of having a chinwag with anyone. And I found this absolutely terrifying and one of the most difficult things I've done while working with Hooked On. So, Rob, credit to you, mate. That's you do a right. wonderful job and make it look so easy. Well, I, fair, I think the fair thing to say is, for full disclosure, that um, we're up around about the three-and-a-half-hour mark um, of recording this so if by the time it gets to your um, iPod um, and your iPhone and it's only about an hour and a half then uh, God, imagine how much cutting we had to do eh? <laughs> you cheeky bastard I take it all back guys Rob have a great week we'll speak to you all online um, and all that remains is now I've wanted to say this for ages guys hooked on events hooked on wrestling it's wrestling enjoy it yeah.